Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode 454, where it's Christmas. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. You're supposed to say Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. For our UK listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Season's greetings. Season's greetings. Did you guys have a good week? Happy holidays. All ready for Christmas? Yeah, yeah. Um, everything's wrapped and under the tree, and um, all the shopping's done. Of course, I've had all the shopping done for a while. Well, I haven't. Holly's had most of it done. <laughs> Holly and I have this great shopping relationship. She goes to the stores and buys stuff, and anything that we have to order online, she comes to me and says, you take care of that stuff, because so, she does not like to order things online. So I do that and from the comfort of my recliner in my living room, <laughs> <laughs> my free shipping. Um, and she does. she goes to the stores and shops so works out really well mel and i have a similar relationship she goes out on black friday and i don't and i order things on amazon that she doesn't know about so (laughs) (laughs) kind of kind of the same do you guys watch anything this week uh i mean i've been you know i've been watching holiday movies so i got Maybe Home Alone. No, I watched Home Alone 2 last week. Uh, Santa Claus 2 and 3 out of the way. I had never seen Santa Claus, the Santa Claus 3. I had never seen it. Couldn't believe it. So now I started watching. I was like, I don't think I've watched this before. And sure <laughs> enough, I hadn't, hadn't seen it. So oh. eh, It's cute. Uh, I've not seen none two of, or none three. Of them, none of them are as, as good as the first one, but it was, it was cute. Fun. Santa Claus. Hmm. What? I really like the second one. Oh, yeah. I think the second one is, it does a good job of the world building and the setup, and yeah, I like that's... all the stuff at the North Pole and all oh, the other... Um... Of course you would say that, because it's my least favorite of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> really? You liked I, yeah, three better I, than two? I did. I just, I think, because I think three didn't take itself so serious, two seems to. Seem, two seems to take itself too serious. And the, the other problem I have with the second one is it, it rushes things. It really does not slow down for a relationship with somebody that's about to you know spend their entire rest of their life with the santa claus he has a full year to prepare to be santa and while i think you can argue at the end of it it does kind of go quickly for him to settle into the role this one he's got what four days to to find a wife i mean it just it the premise is good i, I think it's a month but you know. the premise is good oh you're right because i think he goes back after thanksgiving but so short the premise is so right short. the premise is right the premise is good the it's just it feels a bit rushed and unbelievable for santa claus <laughs> <laughs> i was waiting for the realization of what you were saying to hit this movie about this fat toy maker who doesn't exist <laughs> finding a wife it's, it's completely unbelievable <laughs> uh, yeah i just didn't like it as well <laughs> I think probably what I liked about um, uh, the third one is the in-laws. I absolutely love the in-laws. Of um, oh, his name escapes me. The father-in-law. It's Peter Boyle, isn't it? No, well, no, uh, that's Father Time. Oh, that's right. Uh, no, Arkin. Uh, oh yeah, Alan. Alan Arkin. Uh, but he's great in everything. He is so. great in everything. Um, and then um, Martin Short as Frost, I thought was. 
but yeah, it was fun. That's about all I watched. Uh, of course, we saw Star Wars this week, so this weekend. We watched the very very festive movie of Aladdin. Oh, did you? The live action? Yeah, the live action. Did you like it? It was pretty good. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think as I watched it, I kind of realized, you know, Alan Minken's songs are just so good and so catchy that almost any version is going to be elevated so much by his songs. Yeah. So even if the if you don't like what else is in there, you're going to get to the next song piece and have so much fun watching that bit that you'll kind of forget what happened previously. I think that's a lot of it, a lot of it, but I thought they did a good job trying to quote unquote make it up to date, you know, um with what they do with Jasmine. I yeah. I I thought a lot of that stuff was pretty good. Will Smith did a decent job as the genie. The kid who played Aladdin did a good job, I thought. Mm-hmm. And uh Jafar, who I initially did not like, I wound up thinking did a good job. Yeah, I liked Jafar as well. A lot of people that was their biggest complaint was Jafar did not feel like Jafar from the cartoon. Uh, he and felt he does like it different. He's different. Yeah. yeah. But I like the I like the take on it just as much as I liked Will Smith's take on the genie, which I and, think was uh, strikingly different than yeah, Williams. It really was. And Abu was the best part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was a little disappointed that uh, you're partial to the primates. That's true. <laughs> I, I was a little disappointed that uh, Jafar didn't turn red when he turned into a genie. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, everything else was pretty close. Carpet was really great too. Carpet was good. Yeah. You've seen it, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, 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 I don't disagree. I we, like the animated better, but this wasn't bad. Yeah. We, we talked for about an hour before we came on about Star Wars, but do you want to give your initial impressions without spoiling, spoiling anything, obviously? Yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I really liked it. I thought it was really good. It's going to re- take a... I really liked it. I thought it was really, really, really good. So. It's going to take a second viewing to figure out where in this trilogy this will land for me. Where in this? Oh, as far as, as ra- ranking wise, yeah. Oh, I'll probably see it four or five more times before it leaves the theater. So, I enjoyed it that much. When's your next day off? Next Saturday. Well, Christmas Day, but I'm going out of town. So. Uh-huh. so next Saturday. Well, I hope oh, it's I hope it's still in theaters by then. Not even next Saturday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not even next Saturday because I have another Christmas next Saturday. So Sunday, next Sunday. Mm. We know where Glenn will be. <laughs> My first time at the B&B. It's a nice, really nice theater. It is a nice I theater. I liked it. I like the uh, reclining seats. And, of course, I've been having problems with my arthritic back again. And so uh, the really nice thing was the heated seats. The little <laughs> heating bar was right in the small of my back where that is. So I kept turning that on and then turning it off, turning it on, because it goes really super hot before, yeah. it, before it starts to kind of regulate itself. And that I think that actually took some of the swelling and inflammation <laughs> off of my back, and I was able to sit there really comfortable through the whole thing. So, being as pregnant as Sarah is, she really appreciated it too. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When we went and saw Knives Out, I had I kept fighting with mine because it was on, and I didn't think about it. I just I reclined, and I'm like, all right. And I was like, man, it's getting hot in here. What is? <laughs> I can just feel it Why right in so- the small. Well, of my then back I realized. Me almost. Like, oh, if you have it on the first setting, it gets. Really There's more hot. than one setting. Yeah, there's two. If you hit it. Again, it's a lower setting. And oh, if you hit it again, that's it goes the problem. Off. I couldn't yeah. figure that part out. Yeah, I was like tap, 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 tap. Which one of these is off? <laughs> and then I didn't have it on for Star Wars, and I kind of wish I had because it was just cold enough. But I was worried about the previous experience being too hot. So I was like, ah. yeah, if you if you tap it twice, it goes to a lower heating setting. Well, that's good to know. 
Holly says the little number is brighter for the first setting in the set, but I couldn't see the number. I couldn't see the on. number on it I could at see all. It. I could see it, but it wasn't the color wasn't changing for me, mm. or the brightness of mm. it wasn't changing. Anyway, people don't care about our we went theater and saw experiences. It on, <laughs> we went and saw it on the grand screen, and it wasn't shot in the right aspect ratio to truly fit the grand screen. Ah. There was still a, there, it didn't fill the full screen. It went sure. sideways all the way, so sure. I'm sure it was still bigger than a normal screen. Yeah, but it wasn't the full grand screen experience like it would be in IMAX. I wondered about that myself because it did. It was it was still impressive, but it didn't quite feel right. Yeah, you shot in grand screen. We shot in the grand screen. Yeah, so it still had the the black bar on the just the aspect ratio of how they filmed it. I mean, there's nothing. It's not the grand screen's fault. It's just probably not the right movie to see on the grand screen. This one that's shot in IMAX is going to be better. That's essentially what it is. I could care less how big it is as long as it's not the screen in front of me. <laughs> that's why we know. went it's, to the regular screen. <laughs> I don't know, man. Because I don't it, have to pay more money to see a bigger impressive. picture. It's, it's pretty impressive. I do want to try out that the 40, 4DX, yeah. whatever it is. That looks kind of cool now. The Rumble-Rama. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wonder how long that gimmick's going to stick around until it gets stripped down to just be a standard theater. <laughs> probably. Probably won't be there long. They still have them in Kansas City. Like, even some of the older B&Bs still have the um, 4X, so hmm. 4D, 4, whatever it is. We should do that. We should make a group trip to go see Star Wars in the... That's an even higher upcharge. But if you go on Tuesdays, it's not bad, because it's $5 tickets if you're a B&B member. And then you just pay the upcharge on top of the 5 so it's, yeah. it winds up being like a 10 buck ticket, which... Eh, it's pretty standard. That's true. Not that people care about that either. All right, well, should we move on to news? No, because there is no news. Ah, oh, see, I got it right this week, and, <laughs> and, and we don't even have any news. Okay, I we, could have done feedback. We, we could surprise you with some news. I, okay. This just in, Doctor Who comes back next week. That's not news. We've known that. <laughs> That's news. We've known that though. It's still news. No news. The the the, the key word in the in, in the key letters in the word news is N-E-W, <laughs> new. <laughs> That's not new or news. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's do feedback. Here, here's some news. Matt Smith is not in Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's I right. I kept looking for him. Yeah, I did, too. And in fairness, he told her, I'm not in that. But we, I think, disbelieved him because somebody else said he was. Yeah. And then we thought, oh, he's just throwing us off oh, the trail. Yeah, just... and. No, he's I not. I was looking really closely <laughs> at everybody and oh, well, listening to every voice and I still sort of sat think through later, the credits. Later and... we'll find out that he was a stormtrooper in some costume and got uncredited. Lin Manuel Miranda was in there somewhere. Yeah, he I, was. At the I end, did not but see I did him. Not see him either until I saw the uh, uh, spoiler the Easter egg thing. I watched. Yeah, I guess tied in with that real quick. Richard E. Grant, where has this guy been? for the entire run of the saga because he should have been in every movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, he was great. He was. All right, uh, so... Feedback. No no news, but... Comes from... We have two bits of feedback this week. First one comes from Jamie. And Jamie writes, Hi, Vortexers. Still enjoying your show. Sean, your Judanese was done quite well. Something occurred to me about the Valyard. So the Valyard is supposed to be an amalgamation of the Doctor's darker side and is said to have been created between the Doctor's twelfth and final incarnations, or at least according to the Master. Now, according to Matt Smith's incarnation of the Doctor, what we call Eleven, his incarnation is actually the thirteenth and final face, as by his own admission, since he includes the War Doctor, 
the official in-universe 12th incarnation of the Time Lord, known as the Doctor, is the version played by David Tennant in the 2009 specials and the 50th anniversary. So now bear with me as I come to the heart of this theory. The 12th incarnation christened himself Time Lord Victorious, and when it came time to regenerate, declared, I don't want to go. Could, without the intervention of the Master and Wolf, Time Lord Victorious have morphed into the Valyard as he aged? Did the Master actually stop the creation of the Valyard by causing the Doctor to regenerate? Something to think about. Hmm. Interesting theory. I like it. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Episode 176 and Part 2 of your Great Intelligence Archive. Downtime. Haven't seen it or read the novel, though it sounds like a pretty decent production for a fan film. I enjoyed The Bells of St. John. <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. It's... <laughs> I think we have done a disservice calling it a fan film. I don't know that it is a it, it is a fan film, but it's more of a, it's a professional production. So I think it's even less of a fan film than say a lot of Star Wars fan films or films you'll see uh, on the internet that are Doctor it, Who related. It, it is a fan film in that it is a film that was made by fans. However, it, it was it a, is professional a professional job, prof- so. production company, and it does have you know. DVD and somewhat some rights blessings too. So, not from the BBC, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, I enjoyed the Bells of Saint John in the name of the Doctor, and have given more detailed feedback elsewhere. The Intelligence is an interesting villain. I think that according to various sources, novels and such, the GI is into the same ilk as Fenric, the Gods of Ragnarok, the Animus, Cthulhu, and other such grouped under the term the Great Old Ones or Elder Gods. As for who is more effective, the Yeti or Richard E. Grant and the Whisperman, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you could do the Yeti well these days, although the Web of Fear design would be more effective than the one from Abominable Snowman. Could the, Redi- the Yeti do with a redesign like the Silurians? I don't know. Maybe. Episode 177. I don't remember Tip of the Tongue, the Fifth Doctor e-puffin book. After you guys talked about it, I remembered a tiny bit, but just not enough to comment. Fort of Doomsday, on the other hand. Was I that remember. the one with the house? Or some that was the one where they were at the amusement park. Is that the, the, no. Yeah. no. No. Wasn't this, didn't this have like some sort of haunted house? Not a haunted house. No, like tip, of the, tip of the Tongue was where they actually had the alien that was living in their tongue tissue that was... Oh, right. Like, like had, speaking in it, tongues. It had kids, didn't it, in it too? Or young people in it that, that had Yeah, because it was the one set in the small thing. town of America. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay. That one. <laughs> uh, Fort of Doomsday, on the other hand, I remember this one as I've recently seen it. It's an enjoyable story where everyone is given something to do. I know it was the first story Davison recorded, but it doesn't feel that way. Instead, it's enjoyable and fun. Sure, some of the science is probably off, but that doesn't hamper my enjoyment of the story. Moving on, episode 178 and your discussion of Jubilee versus Dalek. Jubilee. I really enjoy the story. However, that said, it is a bit slow in the beginning. Once it gets going, it's very good. Six does well. Evelyn does well. Evelyn, pardon me. Uh, the guest cast does well. It's just dark and deep, and it seems like Sherman's audio stories are the thinking man's Doctor Who. Dalek, on the other hand, is also very good, but it's more of a fun romp. In some ways, it feels like Jubilee Light. There are similarities, and a few scenes are very similar, particularly the Doctor meeting the Dalek face-to-face for the first time. I love them both, but they are different stories. 100% agree. Episode 179 and the Caves of Adrazani. It's been a while since I've seen this one. I remember it being good, but, well, not quite as good as people say. 
It's not like Talon's, where it's just kind of boring in the middle of the road, but there are a bunch of other stories I like better. Episode 180, The Twin Absolutely Dilemma. Absolutely don't agree. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the Twin Dilemma, Colin Baker's first story, notable for six strangling Perry and some boring plot with twins and giant slugs. Oh, and another Time Lord. <laughs> they put this story as a season finale, and I'm wondering if it wouldn't have worked better as a season opener instead. Anyway, continuing on. Something borrowed. I don't remember this at all, and your comments sure didn't jog in members. <laughs> That's the one where uh, Perry's almost married off, isn't it? Yes. I yes. So. And finally, a comment on the 13th Doctor. 13 seemed to lack much personality. Do you think that's down to Jody, or the writing, or both? Considering that the writers wrote their scripts with him, his, her, and didn't know the new Doctor would be female, I'm thinking it's the writing. I'm hoping a distinct personality will show through in Series 12. Anyway, that's it. Enjoying the podcast and fast approaching Episode 200. It seems I'm listening way faster than I'm getting out feedback. Keep up the great show, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. Thank you, Jamie. And you might be onto something with that, how the writers had to deal with the fact that they didn't know there was a woman. But I also disagree that I don't feel like they're... I, th- I feel like the Doctor has a lot of personality. And I know a lot of people say that it d- she doesn't seem to, but I think she has tons of personality. So I, I can't really comment much on that because I've never felt that way. Well, and as Stephen Moffat always said, you just write for the Doctor and the actor puts their stamp on it. Right, right. I kind of see that, and I think I think thirteen has plenty of personality. It's different from what we've had before, and that's what kind of makes it not as apparent that it's because it's such a different approach to how she handles it. It's not as quirky weird as we we're used to. And I would say I think she can be quirky weird she too can. at times. So. Yeah, there just hasn't just been as many quirky weird moments as others. Well, and I think you'd have to define quirky weird in that instance, too, because, I mean, if you compare, like, Eccleson, for example, I don't he necessarily think yeah. of Eccleson as well, quirky or weird versus, in ways say, he Matt was Smith's childlike Yeah, quirky, in weird. ways, though, he was, and in way, to the same point, in ways, Peter Capaldi was quirky and weird, but both of them were a lot more subdued mm-hmm. than, say, David Tennant and uh, Matt Smith, who their quirky weirdness was a little more obvious or a little more abundant, I suppose. Well, and... You know, Peter Capaldi's other defining personality trait was grumpy yeah, initially. True. And Scottish. So <laughs> when, you, <laughs> when you're on the heels of that, it's not going to seem like there's as much personality because they're not mad all the time. <laughs> That's a good point. All right, our next bit of feedback. Our next bit of feedback comes from Trevor. He writes, auditions. Okay. I told you in my solitary previous email way back that I love your podcast, but I'm not a feedback kind of guy. But the following quote, quote just couldn't be left without comments. <laughs> Eight never ever feels to me like he is auditioning companions. Ever. Glenn. I did say that. <laughs> Boy, I can't wait till you get to and review Situation Vacants by Eddie Robson. I remember really enjoying it, but now, minor spoiler... I'm looking forward to Glenn eating his words. <laughs> Smiley face. Trevor. P.S. Have had happy holidays. Time travel, tenses are hard. Well, you'll get your wish here very soon because that's our next one up on uh, our fourth or our eighth Doctor uh, audios, which I'm sure Sean will be putting 
in the first part of the year sometime. You know, it's funny you say that, Trevor, but uh, when, when, when Glenn said that, I, I internally I had a little smile. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't wasn't going to go there, but I'm glad you did because now I'm even more excited to schedule those. And, well, we'll have to wait because, of course, I'm Doctor sure I can Who's still say back. up to that point. <laughs> never, ever feels like he's auditioning. Backpedal, backpedal. backpedal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, shall we... Uh, do our reviews find and replace christmas 2010 joe grant finds herself stuck in a department store elevator with an alien creature called huxley huxley is a narrator from verbatim six he is here to let joe revisit the best time of her life when she was the plucky companion to an that eccentric space-time traveler known only as iris wild time (laughs) Confronted with memories she knows nothing about, Joe agrees into to a meeting with Iris inside her transdimensional bus. Together, the three of them take a trip back in time to 1970s, to Unit HQ, and a meeting with the only person who knows the whole truth. Bum, bum, bum. Not very Christmassy story, <laughs> but a whole lot of fun. It was totally Christmassy. Let's let's Joe, let's, Joe was shopping. Let's set this up first. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we were talking about Christmas films, and <coughs> I made the comment about uh, you made the comment about you know 101 Dalmatians because it ends at Christmas could be a Christmas film, and I said, yeah, but is is it really a Christmas film because it just happens to end at Christmas? And you said, no, you have devised a list of films. Films that are Christmas films, films that take place at Christmas, and films that just may happen to mention Christmas. Well, I think you can almost put this in your third category if you were to apply that to your Doctor Who Christmas stuff, too. Because it really, I guess suppose it happens at Christmas. It is set at Christmas. It's set at Christmas. That's it. But that's it. That's pretty much it. Uh, Well, it could be argued that Joe got the greatest gift of them all. So I really liked that. Uh, I, I really liked that Iris was in this. In fact, that that was this pleasant surprise for me because I had no idea that Iris Wilde. Yeah, was me in too. This. You never had said that, and this wasn't at least on my radar when I was looking at Iris Wilde time stuff. If it was, I had forgotten. Um, so that was a pleasant surprise that she showed up, and it was a neat twist that this. I can't think they called him the novelist. Was, you know convincing her that she had had different adventures with not the doctor but with this other person and then to show up well well i'll come introduce you to her i'll you know i'll I'll tell i'll come show you to her and takes her to the bus and of course when i think we got the bus i kind of suspected oh wait a minute here (laughs) oh that's who this is (laughs) Uh, but when she shows up that was a nice pleasant surprise and i thought oh well that was neat i didn't i did not expect that little detour i really thought of all the things that they could have done I really thought this was somebody that was trying to get to the doctor and was either doing it in such a way that they were tricking Joe or in such a way that Joe's memories had been changed in, in, in a way, but only because they were trying to drive out her relationship with the doctor to kind of find out more about him. But um, I think it's also a very clever way to do a companion chronicle when they mm-hmm. are specifically narrated episodes by uh, the actors that are portraying the characters. Um, it sure know. didn't feel like a standard companion chronicle. No, it felt it, more like an actual big finish story. It certainly did. Even with Joe doing the doctor's uh, voice from, from time to time, it just it, yeah. I, I agree. It, it felt like 
Um, I think where it falls down for me is it didn't, it doesn't seem to be in the character of the doctor, especially with things we've listened to more of recent, like the, uh, anniversary special, the big finish anniversary special that we, we just did. Um, the third doctor does not feel like somebody who would have tried to make Joe forget or anybody forget about their time with him. That just, it seemed very out of character. Yeah. I bumped on that. The third doctor to do. And so that sort of took me out of the story. And the other thing I thought was the the novelist was a little too point on point, a little too meta. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so much so that I thought it was a clever idea and it's not something that we've, we've not seen before because obviously the, uh, um, the one where they go to the Storyland. Uh, why can't I think of the title of that? The, the second Doctor Adventure. Oh, uh, Mind Robber. Mind Robber. Um, you know, we've got, uh, we've got a, a you know a, a land of of stories there, and so we've done this kind of thing before, where we have a storyteller. Or, but this one, you know, to go back to just to drive the point that they're from the planet verbatim. I mean, it was like, okay, come on, you're really, really tongue is firmly planted. Exactly, and I think yeah. that 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 almost pushed it a little too far for me to to give it a. Had it not been a Christmas story, I would have complained a little bit greater. About I it. And, had and Iris I think, not been there, I would have complained I, even and more. I think, so, yeah, and I think that both of those things do soften that blow. So uh, I would agree with you, but um, for the most part, it was an enjoyable story, and I really enjoyed Kathy, uh, uh, Katie Manning's. Uh, way of slipping back and forth into Iris and Joe, and then on top of that, also portraying the Doctor in such a way that it was believable. I thought was really, really, really well done. So, I, th- uh, I know this was written back in 2010, so I, it's hard to to give fault to this aspect of it, but be- partially because of the big anniversary story that we listened to, where Joe got to go back and see her Doctor again. Having another story where she got to go back and f- see her doctor again felt like such a a reused trope that it it instead of pulling on my heartstrings it made me roll my eyes. Like how many times are we gonna have R- Joe go back to see her doctor from the future? It it's also just... it also sort of takes away from one or the other. So if you right. come from it, if you come from the aspect of you had heard this one first and then the anniversary special, I don't know how I would have felt about that. I maybe would have felt like that was retread, but in now us doing this in reverse, it's, I kind of feel like, yeah. Oh, this kind of cheapens one or the other in a way because we've done it twice now. So. Yeah. And Joe is a good enough character that you don't have to have that emotional punch to do it. Just right. her being her is enough. Is it, yes. is it, it is, is it a sense of, Oh, this is a retread. I don't think even it's, it's, it's a retread. But it's a, it's sort of a been there, done that. It's a crutch. A crutch. There you go. It's an emotional crutch to put in there. But would you still feel that way had we listened to A, if we'd listened to them in order, and B, if we put almost, what, nine years gap? Yes, but if we'd have listened to, yeah, I think the nine years gap might have softened it a little bit, but Probably because I wouldn't have remembered this. Yeah, but... (laughs) If we'd have listened to two in the exact opposite order, in in this close together, then maybe the anniversary special 
probably wouldn't have had as much impact. Although that had a lot more going for it with because it had Kate yeah. and, and her yeah. uh, connecting with her father as well. But um, I think that I might and have I felt it, the same way the other direction, you know, thinking that that one didn't have as much impact because, well, we've done this before. So I'm kind of glad that at the time we listened to that because I don't I think that one had more of an impact on me than this maybe even would have because of the fact that it's a companion chronicle that one had at least, I mean, granted it's Tim Trelaw doing it, but it's a uh, very good impersonation. But it, that's just it yeah. to me. It, it feels like the, the third doctor. And so I think it's done better in that way, but um, well, yeah, I think I might've had, might had the same reaction reversed. It might be because we listened to it in the order we did, but I think it, the other one's done better. Just in yeah, general, I agree. It's just executed better. It's well, better thought the through. The doctor's reaction to the whole situation is a little better. I I just think it's just it was well done in the previous story that we listened to, and not as well done in this one. I think you're not wrong, but I also think that a first of all main range story, or in this case anniversary special story, obviously is going to have a slightly elevated. Um, level of of competency about it versus a companion chronicle and i'm not bringing down the companion chronicle line by saying that sounds like you are i'm I'm meaning that companion chronicles are a certain type of storytelling no and you don't get the same bells and whistles in that type of storytelling that you do get in in the other one um and you know do is it a similar idea yes i didn't honestly think about it when I was listening to it, I was kind of caught up in the moment. And I think because it was Katie Manning doing, well, all of it, <laughs> the voice of Joe and the voice of Iris and the voice of the third doctor. And, you know, does she really sound like the third doctor? No, she, of course she doesn't. But she sounded enough like him in cadence and speech patterns. And there, there was enough of almost kind of a loving tribute coming from Katie as part of that that I was kind of carried away with that part of the story and didn't think about the fact that, well, yeah, we just we just listened to this. Um, so I think more than anything, if there had been that nine-year gap between them, it probably, I don't think you guys would have had nearest problem with it. Perhaps. It, it hits the heartstrings, but I think to some extent, part of my other issue with it, and I didn't have this problem with the anniversary story, I think be, largely because of Kate's aspect of it, this doesn't, I don't think Joe's the right character to pull those heartstrings with. She's not the uh, companion that got ripped away from the doctor who never got to see him again. She's not Sarah Jane Smith who got dropped off and doesn't get to see the doctor again. She chose to leave. Mm -hmm. She decided to leave. That was her decision. It was her agency to leave the doctor. So the mourn she doesn't have the mournfulness. She's always gone forward. So trying to pull on those heartstrings of, oh, I'm going to get to see my doctor again, it doesn't have the impact that it should because it's not within her character to be looking backwards like that. And that I agree with. That, I think, is also why. And because without Kate there to help bolster the emotion, you notice that flaw a little bit more in the character storytelling-wise. I I definitely can agree with that. And I think that... It was it was a clever way to bring Joe and Iris together, but ultimately the overall plot that well it was the third Doctor who started this ball rolling because he was trying to protect her. That to me felt a little hollow, and it was it, it kind of became a matter of this was all a really nifty idea that you 
based around a kind of flawed premise. And while I enjoy the idea and the ride that you gave me, I can't look at it too much closer than that because then it will start to fall apart because I'm going to pluck at it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go and go, well, why did the doctor do this? That's not the third doctor. Well, why did this happen this way? Because that's, you know, really kind of thing. And yeah, Joe's really kind of the wrong person to instigate this. And really what it just, all we needed was it's Joe and Iris going to see the third doctor. I mean, they could have stopped in for tea and, you know, had <laughs> just as much emotional impact as yeah. this kind of convoluted mystery plot that uh, the, the the narrator sets up. So, I would agree. Yeah. Still a lot of fun to listen to because Katie doing Iris is just a blast. <laughs> it is. Well, and Iris interacting with Joe in the way that she does, I think, is, is great. That... Because there's a there's a bit of a wink wink nudge nudge going on because we know that this is Katie Manning, but Joe doesn't see that, and Iris, yeah, maybe she does, maybe she doesn't. She doesn't really care. <laughs> she's just gonna she's just gonna be Iris, and so I I thought that was very uh very fun. Yeah. But yeah, not mu- not much Christmas in it. <laughs> A lot more. That's okay because the next one has more Christmas. Yeah. The hesitation deviation. The Doctor brings Bernice Summerfield to a planet where they get Christmas just right, but this year something's gone very wrong. An ancient force has been hunting the Doctor for a long time, and finally it has found him. As it closes in on the Time Lord, Bernice must make a truly terrible decision, one that she'll immediately forget. Bum, bum, bum. I liked this one quite a bit. I liked this one better. <laughs> but it really wasn't until the end that I decided I really liked it. So. Do you want to enlighten us with that, or are you just going to leave it at that? <laughs> I, I liked... I liked the story as far as the story goes and the script. Uh, and I thought uh, oh, Lisa Bowerman did a, a fine job with Benny, but I wasn't as thrilled with all her other performances throughout the story, and that kind of kept taking me out of it. I thought her seventh Doctor wasn't as good as it could have been, and it just... The story kept me going through it because the performance wasn't as strong as I would have hoped. Hmm. Um, I thought... I actually was impressed with her <laughs> seventh doctor. I thought she... Like Katie, she wasn't smack on, but I thought she... I mean, it's very difficult for somebody, I think, of another um, gender to do someone else because, obviously, you know, we have different vo- vocal... Uh, structures and things like that but I think her her again her cadence her influx even rolling her R's I thought she did a, a good job I think I, I, I believed when she was reading the parts of the, the seventh doctor I believed that it was doctor maybe a little bit too pitchy but I thought you know, pitchy pitchy um, but I have <laughs> to make sure that came out clear but I you know I just I, I thought that was passable and I thought that was well um, I th- thought that the, the the reason I say that I I didn't know that I liked it until the end was 
first of all, I didn't really know where they were going with it. This felt familiar. Like, have we encountered this virus before? This thing that we haven't. Okay. It seemed familiar to me, which I'm okay if this was, but I, I, I kept thinking, okay, is this, this feels like something I should be remembering from a, from a previous story. And I kind of liked where they were going with it, but there were seemed like a lot of runaway in this one. It felt like, oh, something's coming. The, the, the people are dangerous. I, I'm kind of glad it was as short as it was because there was a lot of spinning of the wheels of trying to get from, you know, this to get away from whatever was happening for a long time. And I felt that that kind of was a bit dragged out. Um, but I liked that, that it, it's framed in the way that she's telling this um, uh, droid, uh, or what she called it. Uh, um, it was a robot psychiatrist. Yeah, she called it a therapy droid, I think is what she yeah. called it. And uh, that she's telling this, and then, and then she wants it erased, wants the doctor erased from her, her memory. And I kept thinking, what could possibly have been so bad? I mean, yeah. And part of that's coming from me knowing how she's been, I mean, I'm only nine books into the Virgin New Adventures and she's been dragged through hell and she's only been in four of the books. She's been dragged through hell with the doctor so far. And I kept, I, maybe I'm, I was tainted a little bit by that because I'm kind of thinking, well, what could be so bad that Benny would, you know, want to forget the doctor. Uh, so when we get to the point for the reason was, was because it was in order to put the, the virus into the robot and transfer it there and then it was a tr- you know a trap. Then I was like, oh okay, that was cool and clever, and so I did like that. But um, I was I was afraid they weren't going to get to a point to convince me that there was a need for her to do that, and they did. And it was obviously a red herring. So I think it worked out ultimately. I loved it or liked it, um, but I just felt like they spent a lot of time getting to that point. That was my problem with it. I think the um, I, I agree that. Um... Bowerman did, I, I thought, a fine job with the Seventh Doctor. It's along the lines of not necessarily somebody doing a full-blown impersonation. You know, like, it, it wasn't like a Rich Little doing somebody's voice. But it was more along the lines of, if you were to make, uh, not even make fun of, but if you were to, you know, you're amongst a group of friends and then you're telling a story about another friend and you launch into that friend's mannerisms and, and method of speaking to tell a joke or something. Uh-huh. Um, and, and, and that's kind of where I went with it. She was just, you know, making fun of a friend. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and for me that really worked because it, it, it very much was somebody being Sylvester, not necessarily somebody really trying to do the seventh doctor. Um, and so I liked that part of it. And I liked the, I, I didn't mind the running about. I was kind of wondering where they were going with it because it didn't seem like there was much of a threat. It was just a bunch of series of kind of odd little adventures that there was something off about this planet. But you couldn't quite put your finger on it until they started describing the virus. And you realized that everybody that they had encountered previously started that uh, 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 stutter that it wasn't there initially, but then it started to kick in once they started interacting with the doctor. Oh, okay. So, all right, well, so now where are we going? Why would you want to erase the doctor's memory? And she kept describing how elaborate this virus was and how long it had gestated and how it had, you know, transmitted itself across galaxies and everybody was infected with it. 
and the more she described this thing and then started talking to the robot about getting rid of her memories of the doctor, the more convinced I became that, well, hell, maybe this is the last one. Maybe this is Benny's exit story, and I wasn't aware of it. Because <laughs> I, I really kind of bit into that. But then when it was revealed that it was the trap, that, no, this is just the red herring so that we can get rid of the virus and trap it in this robot, I was like, oh, that's genius. And it really made me happy again. Um, so, yeah, I just I, I, I agree with you that it kind of felt like maybe they were spinning their wheels, but I don't know that it was unnecessary running about. I no, was, I don't. Was, I agree. I don't think it was unnecessary. It just maybe it was, just, it was more frustration than anything. That, that they had to do it for so long. But. Yeah. Maybe it would have worked better as a half hour. I don't know. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I, I enjoyed this. I just I, th I thought it was uh, a, a little different than, I don't know, maybe what my, I was expecting. And I liked the, you know, very much Christmas kind of abound feeling about it. And... I love the fact that he fixes the Christmas lights and then they start chasing him and they're like, oh, yeah. what'd you do? I fixed Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was great. And more Christmas involvement in this one. We'll put this in the category of a Christmas story because even though they're being chased by this virus weapon thing, um, yeah, they keep referring to and using Christmas as part of the, the story. So. In a way, it that almost, was enjoyable. It almost felt like one of Matt Smith's Christmas specials when when she's describing the doctor getting down in the yeah, snow yeah. and playing with the children and building yeah, snowmen yeah, and stuff. That. It was like, wow, that's almost a that's almost an eleven thing to do. But yet, I can totally see Seven doing that. <laughs> yeah, it was a good Seven story for that aspect of things. Yeah. Well, it felt very much like a James Goss story too, which he obviously was writer on this one, so that's why it felt like a James Goss story. <laughs> but it, it he has these really creative um, ideas that he comes up with. And, and they, they all kind of have sort of that stamp on them that, that, that just shouts James Goss and that <laughs> this one did as well. So um, I just realized this, Lisa Bowerman directed both of these stories. Oh, really? Yeah, she cool. directed the, the one that um, Katie was in and then this one. So. Hmm. I did not know that. So she read and directed this one, so very nice. interesting. But two nice, I mean, stories for Christmas. I, I I always like doing stories for, you know, Christmas stories at Christmas, and we always seem to do a good job of finding some stuff to tie in, so. We have one more. We do. The Doctor and her companions save Christmas from a contemptible coup by the cantankerous Krampus. But is everyone's favorite Time Lord listening or naughty or nice? I'm going <laughs> to give this one a bump, 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 too. I, I, I enjoyed this. This was nicely Christmas also. I'm yeah. kind of surprised there hasn't been a Krampus story done already. <laughs> you know what? That's what it, it kind of went through the first part of it, and I was like, yeah, okay, we're, we're kind of doing our thing here, and there's this memory wipe, and we're not quite sure what the deal is, and we've got to get back to this planet, and then Santa shows up, but it's not Santa, and you're just, where are you going with this? And then suddenly there's, uh, in fact, I think it might have even been kind of sort of spoiled for me on the, the, the one cover. Um, that there's this kind of uh, demonic devil creature behind the doctor at Christmas time in this Christmas story. And I went, oh, that kind of looks like that might be a Krampus thing. And as soon as I thought that and went, oh, 
okay, I know where you're going with this now. And um, the fact that it was, that Krampus had kind of taken over and was impersonating Santa on this one planet and uh, uh, going to do all kinds of terrible things. And the doctor tried to stop them once and got caught and had their memory erased so that they didn't think they had gotten caught. That's kind of cool. The concept of it is that, the fact that they're returning to a place where they've already been and they have no memory of it. I think I liked that element of it. I think the Krampus comes too late, even though it's sort of the reveal of what this, what is it, Mr. Henderson? Henderson. Yeah. Mr. Henderson, which I thought was kind of just, I mean, they make a joke about how bland it is. Would he really be Santa Claus? If, would he go by Mr. Henderson? Um, it. <laughs> He goes with my, Jeff too. My problem with the story is it 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 perfect perfect it perfect perfectly encompasses those type of stories that are done in Doctor Who at Christmas, specifically in Matt Smith's era. The the, the widow the uh, widow the Doctor the widow Doctor the, the widow of the wardrobe um, Christmas Christmas Carol. They're they're. A bit whimsical. Uh, last Christmas, I guess, with uh, in Peter Capaldi's era, uh, they're a bit whimsical. They really play very heavy with the Christmas imagery. Um, unlike the the uh, Russell T. Davis ones, which where Christmas was just kind of the trappings, and there was really just a you know either a disaster story or a or a um, uh, epic adventure. But so. I appreciated the whimsicalness of it, but it, the whole time it all kind of felt out of place. And I, I wasn't quite sure why we had to have the Santa's workshop trappings of this. It's never really clear why we have to kidnap aliens from one planet, or apparently two, because I think the little wooden soldier things yeah. were aliens from another planet, which yeah. I don't think was explained as well because the setup for the first one was they go to the planet where the 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 little regular alien I say regular they look like you know little green men and uh it's explained that that this Mr. Henderson shows up and they're forced to go off and work for him and, and never come back and never come back yeah but then when we show up on the planet we've got this little elf like creature that isn't really ever explained we've yeah. got these little so there's uh, at least three different species on this planet. <laughs> right. We've got these little wooden soldiers that aren't ever really explained and they don't really and maybe you can explain to me, maybe one of you guys can explain to me why the trappings of San I mean Krampus is going to go feed on these boys and girls. So if if Krampus is going to pretend to be Santa and make toys and go to the kids and devour their souls or devour their energy uh, because she's vegetarian because she actually doesn't eat them, um, then that would make sense that they had to have the Santa workshop thing and all this stuff. But it, they're making they never, some sort they of... They never referenced the fact right, that he's actually going to go do that. They're making yeah. some sort of... Uh, well, they're making the, the transport for her to go, to for her army to go you know, collect the children or collect their energy or whatever they're going to do, which I didn't think was as clear either. It's it, it's not clear why it has to be all of the trappings of Santa's workshop and the North Pole and elves and things like that. I guess like it's that. because it's Krampus. And I think that's the, my problem with it is it's it's almost like 
we put it we put this Christmas wrapper on it because we wanted to do a holiday special. But we told a story that could have been any comic story without the trappings of Christmas. And it's like we shoved the Christmas stuff in to make it a holiday story. But your central character is Krampus, so it's already a holiday story. So let's make it more holiday instead of just dressing it up like a holiday story. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? That's I, what I had a problem with. So did you totally not get that Baxter was a genuine elf? I, they're playing coy with that. That's the problem that I have that with that is if I think they had been a little more... That's the other thing is is Baxter comes out of nowhere. Baxter is head of security. Where are all the other Santa's elves? I mean, we're playing with the idea that Krampus is real, that Santa is real. I mean, they don't come out and say it, but they're being coy with that and without coming out and saying that Santa is real. And so I, I, I got the idea that the elf was there because they were trying to support that. But where are all the other elves? Why are we why do we have these elves, these uh, aliens subbing in as elves. That's my problem with it. So yes, I did because get that this the, the, was really the, the, an elf. The, well, the workshop and everything was was what, that's all Krampus's HQ. Right. That she's kidnapping aliens to fill in the jobs of the the, the, the workforce. Right. And Baxter, <coughs> I took as a Santa knew what was up and sent Baxter to infiltrate and report back on what was going on, and then the doctor lands. And Baxter helps the doctor go and, and, and do their thing. So Santa sent Baxter, but didn't send the doctor. <coughs> so Santa didn't send the doctor. So Santa sends an inept little security elf. I don't think she was inept. Okay, he. Uh, well, maybe it was a she. Um, but looked like a she to me. But uh, okay, sends a not a not a security guard elf, a safety elf, mm-hmm. a health and safety elf, <laughs> to infiltrate Krampus's headquarters to find out what Krampus is doing. Yeah. And that's it. The yeah. doctor just happened to show up and was able to fix this. Or or the, or, or or Santa knew that good timing. Well, may, that th- to be fair, that happens in a lot of Doctor Who. May, maybe it's the other way. <laughs> Almost maybe all of Doctor Who. <laughs> maybe Santa knew the doctor got into trouble and sent Baxter to you know, get her out. Well, this Baxter, is the second time through. Yeah, Baxter clearly knew her from. In fact, he had to check and make sure she really was the doctor. By yeah, so what, what was the line Jeff sent me? Or yeah, he did say he he did say Jeff sent me. Yeah, so it's interesting that they as though uh, uh, um, the doctor knew who Jeff was, but she didn't because she didn't have the memory at that time. She didn't have her memories, so. Well, she didn't have her memories of this planet. I got the impression she didn't have the memory. Well, maybe she did. No, she makes some comment about Jeff, if I remembered who that was or something to that effect. So she didn't at that time remember who Jeff was. I thought she had her memory back by that point anyway. She, um, or was it? You've got me second-guessing it now. I like that. Or I find it interesting that they're retconning their own uh, free comic book day story. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was the other. Luckily, thing. Luckily, which is what we've read. <laughs> it's funny because I read that and I went, "Oh, they're referring back to the free comic book day when when um uh, what's his name got uh, kidnapped." 
And then they were all remembering different stories, and then it made me second guess whether I was remembering that story right or not either. Oh, then they did the story right. And then I thought, well, maybe th- are these other stories that happened that we haven't read? And then I, I thought, about no, that I too. well, then I thought, no, I think they're trying to, I think they are referring to that comic, and the doctor's the only one that really remembers what happened because she's the only one that recounts it correctly. Yeah. Now we may find out later that they all did remember different instances for from other stories that are in that series. But I thought that was very clever that they, they yeah. called back to that one one-off issue. And you didn't have to have read that one-off no, issue to get anything out of yeah. this. Um, yeah, a name would help, because you're the one on the outside of the door. A name would help, too. The name is Baxter. Jeff sent me. Jeff sent you? Oh, why didn't you say so the first time? So she, she knows, because the 12th Doctor refers to Santa as Jeff in... Last Christmas, not last no, Christmas. No, the eleventh Doctor refers. Or is it, it the eleventh Doctor? Yeah, yeah. I think they're in Christmas. One, one of the doctors referred to Santa as Jeff. Oh, I didn't realize that. You oh, know, okay, that? all right. Yeah, no, he says, or as I call him, Jeff. Oh, okay. I didn't so, realize. I think that's the line. Says, okay. Jeff sent me. Yeah. I was like, well, okay. then that that would have helped a little bit for me because I didn't <laughs> yeah. I didn't remember that. Well, the doctor drops so many names, <laughs> <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> I didn't like the resolution either. The fact that, from what I could gather, Carampus just kind of gets away. Oh, and... I, you know, I was actually okay with that. <laughs> I, I liked that because. What are you going to do with Krampus? You going to put him in the? You going to put her in the, the the Arkham Asylum of the? See, I think that's the problem with doing a story with Krampus. Either you have to like flat out destroy him, or you know, I don't know. I I no, I was fine with Krampus getting away because Krampus is kind of the eternal myth. You know that that that. I mean you. Know, it's like you don't kill Santa Claus. You also don't kill Camp Krampus, you know? Yeah. I was I was fine with that. Uh, I thought it was resolved pretty well for a story dealing with a, a mythos. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think for a, for, for a little two-issue holiday comic book, you guys are putting way too much into this. It's just, it's, you know, it's a Santa Claus story in the comics. Krampus showed up. There was some adventure, and then it ended. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean I, but I this isn't Gunga if, Den. I There's suppose no... if we're gonna do that, let's do it in one issue, not drag it out over two, because <laughs> I really kind of felt like there wasn't a lot going on in either of these stories either. Well, um, because we tied into the, uh, you you very easily could have done this in one story yeah. if you hadn't tied back into the free comic book day. well no i think you still could have done it because you i could, think that you could have also just done a supersized yeah well, that would have been all right too but i mean then again why not do two though if you're going to do supersize one why not do two lights my, my point is we you could have the, the setup of it was very cool the mystery of it i think was was dragged out a little bit um too long and i think all of that could have been kind of crammed down into a, a, a one special one one issue special but that's fine. I mean, I don't knock them for they trying did, to get a little. They more did money. more of a holiday special than uh, actual show. Did. That's true. <laughs> they are. They are. Picking, and and again, it feels it feels a bit like a you know Matt Smith era or even Capaldi era uh, Christmas. I'm I'm off at Christmas special. Well, and it, it very being, much feels being like two issues. It feels very much like kind of the pacing of the Thirteenth Doctor era too, because it's kind of. A little bit slower paced, kind of takes its time doing what it's going to do, focusing on the characters, and this felt in that same vein. Indeed, so having... but look how well they did, because I think we all thought that the, the story from the uh, the uh, uh, free comic book day was 
good. And yeah. it was all done in one comic. So, I mean, I see what you're saying that it, it does. It's, it mirrors that. I, th- I think that's a, style, an exception but, from the se- of the comic series in general too, because okay. they, I think most of the other ones are multiple issue arcs. Yeah. So I didn't hate it. It just, there was times that I just kind of felt like is a lot of this necessary. And I guess it is. If you're doing a holiday story at Christmas, might as well. It's all necessary, I guess. There you go. <laughs> all right, Sean, what do we got coming up with the schedule? Well, as we uh, as we reported once upon a time on Facebook that the, uh, the 13th Doctor would return to our screens on Christmas Day, <laughs> we weren't lying. It just happened to be in comic book form. So... We, we've got our we got our thirteenth Doctor Christmas special out of the not way on Christmas Day. Well, we reviewed it ahead of time. I was about yeah. to say not on our screens either, but we do get the digital <laughs> review <laughs> copy, so it was on a screen. At least I looked at it on. A screen. I looked at it on not a screen. on a television screen. Right, but. right. I don't think we ever said television screens. It's true. But uh, uh, next week uh, proper, the, uh, the the Doctor returns for reels, and uh, we will get uh, a New Year's Day extravaganza which will be next on our list and then of course you've got at least what is it 10 weeks that we decided that there's going to be or has been announced i think the way we're going to wind up recording it it will be nine weeks worth of new episodes and we will not have a show next week we will have a show the week following that will encompass the two first two stories yes so we're gonna we're gonna dump them together as one right because it's a technically we will have a show next week no, we won't. We won't oh, have a you're show right. next week. You're right. Yeah. We'll, we'll be off next week, and we will pick back up after the first of the year with a review of the first two stories yes. of the season. Yes. So you have that to look forward to. Yeah. And I have not updated the uh, schedule on uh, online because, well, they've not released any episode titles <laughs> yet, but just know that it's going to be 10 weeks of new Who. Right, right. So, yay. Yay. So glad for it to be back. Yes. All right, well, of course, be sure to check out our website, Traveling the Vortex, for updates. And uh, while you're there, be sure to click on that Patreon link, or Patreon, yeah, Patreon link, and consider supporting us and becoming a patron of the website. And for those of you that are supporting us, we thank you always. And remember, you can send comments to feedback at travelingthevortex.com or by clicking on the send feedback link on the website. Until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Happy holidays. Be seeing you. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.